0: Morning. It looks like we lost half our group to CNK, doesn't it? it? Sarah does a much better job than I do. So if you ever are interested, just head on over there. You're going to get a better message than you get here. We are finishing up the series called Greater, and what I love about this is that we've walked through the book of Hebrews. If you've had an opportunity to read as we've gone through this this last five weeks, if you haven't, Hebrews has 13 chapters. It won't take long for you to read through it, but it is an incredible book of the Bible. As we look at how he is greater, one of the things I heard from the Lord this week as we read through chapter 12 and chapter 13 is that Jesus is greater than any other options. That he is greater than anything you can think of or any other thing that seems to distract you or come before you that he's just simply greater we don't live faith in isolation we simply just don't we think that it's maybe a personal thing but Hebrews in chapter 12 it starts out by stating that we don't do this that we actually are supposed to come together and look at one another Not as a participant in an event, but instead that we come and see each other as part of a family that God has called each of us into. Why don't you just look for a second? Look around. A people that you don't think you're related to or you don't want to be related to, and then go, hey. Hey you're my brother and my sister. Maybe you are related to them and you need to look and say, hey, you're my brother, you're my sister. And I love you. This is really what the writer to the Hebrews says in the last two chapters, or at least that's what I heard. So let's take a look. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. We don't live faith in isolation. We also, in fact, throughout our culture, we often will hear your personal journey or I don't talk about faith because it's private. But Hebrews in chapter 12 starts out, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. He doesn't say, and your faith on your personal journey. But instead, he starts to help the people who are following Jesus see that they are not doing this alone. The context of this letter, if you remember, is not written to a particular church. But instead, it's written to a group of people, Hebrews, or those who were Jews, right, following the Jewish faith. And they said, wait a minute, I think the Messiah has come, and I believe the Messiah is Jesus. In that moment, they became Christians. But because they became Christians, their brothers and sisters who were still Jews and thought Jesus was nonsense said, why are you leaving all of this behind? Jesus isn't greater. So come back to us. And so he's writing to these people saying, Stick together. You know that Jesus is greater in your life. You've seen the transformation that's happened, you know the peace that you've received. Don't walk away from it, and don't walk alone. I think one of the things that I've seen in the church too often is that we do walk our faith life alone. How do we see this? We see it when we go, well, I can't really pray with my spouse or with my child because I'm scared. Well, why are you scared? You're scared because you've been walking alone and you don't know what it's like to walk together. I can't share my faith in my workspace with my friends, why are you scared to do that? Because maybe they won't be your friends. Or maybe your life is centered not in the church, but centered somewhere else. Have you ever been in a moment in your life when you realized you have no friends at church, at the church that you attend? I realized the opposite when we were at, um, our kids are involved in this soccer thing and baseball thing, it's Timber Grove Sports Association. And we're walking around and I saw these people conversing and so I had a conversation with Sarah going, am I, am I not nice? And she says, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, all these people, they're talking with one another like they're all this friends. And she goes, well, you realize that we could be in those circles, but it would require us to jump out of some other circles. Because they have play dates and they've got all these different things that we could be involved in, but our life is more centered with people of the church. Namely... We wouldn't have been able to get all our kids to their sporting events if we didn't know Sylvia Nelson, who not only let us borrow their car so that Sarah could go do something else, but they took our kids, right, to a sporting event. The weekend before that, Ken stood in there and watched Zach play because we couldn't be there. Our life is circled around those that were walking faith together. Now you can go too far, right? I have no friends that aren't Christian. I'm not saying that. I do actually. Our neighbors, we got this guy Hamilton. We went over to this new beer and wine club. It's great. I shouldn't advertise on Sunday morning, but I'll advertise. (laughs) Hamilton is this tall black guy. And he's pretty, I mean, he's not tall and skinny. He's ripped you wouldn't want to be hit by him but he lives right next door and we brought cookies over when he moved in he loved the cookies and we were walking daisy and he just got a new dog too and he's we said we saw that your place is open we're gonna head over there during the nebraska game I mean, obviously, it wasn't a great game, but whatever. <laughs> we went over and Hamilton, I saw him lean in. I thought he was getting water for himself, but what he's telling the bartender is these are my friends. So it's on me. And then the manager came over and she started talking to us, which I haven't t- told you guys yet, but there's probably a gig for you over there. Yeah. But one of the things I'm, the Hebrew writer is asking us to do is balance. Is your life centered in at the church, at the community that you're in, a great cloud of witnesses, also balance with those who are outside of that that you're inviting into it? Is it? Or are you doing faith in isolation? Holiness doesn't come from us following a bunch of rules but it comes because our eyes stay focused on Jesus and the more our eyes stay focused on what he is and what he's about we become more like him which means that our circle our family here becomes more like him they see more reflection of him you see how we do this together It also means that those who are not in the church, they get to see more about a church that loves Jesus than a church that is against everything. They get to see what we're for, which is namely, we're for Jesus. Put everything else aside, we're for him. And when anything comes before him, we should say, wait a minute, Jesus is greater. He's greater than my biggest political belief. And when I'm talking to someone who's opposite, I got to remind myself that Jesus is greater. Even if I think I'm right, Jesus is greater. We are made holy as we focus on the one who is holy, the only one who has authority to tell us, you too are holy. You are my brothers and sisters. You're a part of my family. So together we work at living in peace and living a holy life. Together. You see this? In verses 14 and 15, chapter 12 work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the lord look after each other look look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of god watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many so together we work at living in peace and living a holy life Together we do this because we look out for one another. We look for the reaction on people's faces. We do observations, right? When you love someone, you actually care how they feel. You care about what they think. You care about what they do. Now, those of us who are parents, we know that sometimes our children are like, I wish you wouldn't care. I wish you'd just get the heck out of here so I can do my own thing. But we know as parents that those parents who go, okay, just go do your own thing, those children don't always end up in good places because we don't live faith alone. We do it together. So if we're made holy only through faith, in Jesus. Then, when we look out for one another, we want to make sure that people receive faith in Jesus. When we look out for one another, we want to make sure that they see Jesus living in us. And that's how we respond with one another. Do we respond in peace or in conflict? Do we say a lie? To keep peace, or do we tell the truth? Ooh, right? How many times have you done that? In your efforts to make peace, you kind of jump over the prince of peace and go, oh, I think this will be better. Let me just massage the situation by saying a lie. But when you represent Jesus... You're supposed to represent the truth. And then when you find out that your truth isn't true, has that ever happened to you? It happens to me. I don't always like to admit to it, but it does happen to me. Then I have to step into repentance and go, Lord, I realize what I thought was true was not. What I was standing up for is not true. And it has nothing to do with you has everything to do with me. When we do that, sometimes there's disagreement, right? Who had a disagreement this week? Ken, we had a disagreement. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> Who had a disagreement this week that is still kind of sticking with you? Those disagreements can cause bitterness to begin to dwell, right? It dwells here, and then it begins to grow. Now, what happens in bitterness? Well, let me just explain what has happened in my bitterness when I've gotten bitter. Normally, I don't want the Prince of Peace or Jesus to be involved. Right? I mean, you kind of, if you're close to Jesus... Not all of us would say, I'm really close to Jesus right now. Sometimes we still see him kind of distant. But if you see him as near, and I see him as, a, I see him as he's always here. Like right now, he's, he's here. He's the only reason why I would do this, because I wouldn't normally come up and speak. He's here. So when I see him like that, and I get bitter with someone, I go, Jesus, take a break from me so that I can be angry at this person. <laughs> and you know, you know why I should be angry. And sometimes it's legit in the anger side, right? Like you, you know, they've sinned. Have you, have you said that? Oh, they have sinned. And your finger kind of goes like this. And you go. That person has sinned, so I have every right to be bitter, because I'm going to protect myself. Okay, here comes the mice and the eyes, right? I am going to protect myself from being hurt by that person again, and immediately. And what I'm saying is, Jesus, stay out of this, because when you step into it, what you bring is grace. You mean forgive that person who did that to me? You mean I'm supposed to see that he or she has honor at your table as much as me? Right, when you're bitter, you say, get out of here. Because that's not fair. Until you stop and go, well, wait. Maybe I don't want Jesus to be that way because if He is, then maybe I'm not invited to the table either. Maybe maybe the way of pushing Jesus out isn't so wise, because maybe I need His peace more than the person needs my peace. Maybe I've let this bitterness grow so much that my heart has been corrupted, and there's not enough space for the love of Christ in me to look at someone and say. All of us did more to Jesus than any of you could do to me. So, what right do I have to be upset with someone that you would call your child? What right do I have to say that you don't deserve the love of Jesus? But I do. We work at living in peace and living a holy life, not by ourselves but together. The only way I've seen bitterness get extracted is by having a good brother or sister come up and say, you're being a... but. Stop being so mean. Bring some grace, Aaron. Those are good words for me. They're good words because my regular mode may be more to judge than to forgive. So I need need you to say, are you operating in grace right now? Are you operating in your own law? when we let bitterness grow, we find ourselves distancing ourselves from Jesus. And we also can find ourselves distancing from each other. When you don't ready your heart to receive, hey, you're being a a butt, then when you hear it, like Rosalinda, if he said that to me, then I might go, I'm not going to talk to her anymore. So I'm going to distance myself. I'm going to just totally say the Lord can't speak through you. And I'm going to distance myself. Even though she's speaking truth and representing Jesus that very moment. So how do you hear that voice? Because the Lord's voice is the most important voice. Some of us think our voice is the most important voice. Some of us have put others in that place and said their voice is the most important voice. Really kind of depends, I think, whether you're a pleaser or not a pleaser. If you're not a pleaser, you probably think your voice is the most important. If you are a pleaser, whoever you want to please the most, their voice is the most important. But I'm here to remind you that the Lord's voice is the most important. All other voices do not matter. Hebrews 25 and chapter 12. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to music, To Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. So, I got a good taste of what the Lord gets from us at a Marius soccer game that I coached yesterday. So, it's five year olds, so I should have a lot of patience and grace but I also want them to succeed. And at that moment, I know all their names. And I've got a whole thing planned out. And I'm thinking they haven't won a game yet. I'm thinking they might win this one because I'm coaching. (laughs) See, I'm the assistant coach, which is really difficult for me. So, because I have to listen to somebody else. So, these little kids, these five-year-olds, my daughter included, I'm getting them ready to play, and we're doing a quick little warm-up. They're all over the place. I'm like, come on, Avengers, come on, let's go. And they're looking in the grass for the fertilizer. They're kicking the ball on the other side. I'm saying, come on, Avengers, before I avenge you. But I remember grace and patience, so I didn't say that. I just said it internally. And then it was time to start the game, and there's only four on four. You'd think that'd be simple. (laughs) So I'm running back and forth, and I'm telling them, come on, let's go, let's go. Get the ball. Look at the ball, because they're looking over here. My daughter, who should be listening, she's going off the field. They lose, and I call them back, I ha- and of course, I had to say "Avengers" 20 times before them all come back. we come in a little huddle, and I'm trying I said, "Eyes on me, eyes on me," And they're all like, lah, 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 lah. I said, "Hey guys, I'm proud of you." Blah, lah, 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 lah. And so I just said, "Go Avengers!" <laughs> and I walked out the field, and I'm like, whew, that was the longest half hour of my life. And then this morning, I paused and I thought, man, the Lord does that with me all the time. Not for a half an hour, but all day long for the last 43 years. I've been, blah, 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 blah. or he'll say, come on, come on, let's get going. And I'll be like, what you mean? What do you mean I'm supposed to kick the ball to the other side? What do you mean I'm supposed to pray with somebody who's hurting? What do you mean that your word is so available I can read it every day? What do you mean that you love me? That you're proud of me? Be careful to listen so that you would not refuse to hear the one who is speaking. We listen to those words, whether they come directly from Scripture, which when you read the Bible, you are hearing the Lord's voice. Sometimes it's hard to understand exactly what he's saying. But the way we practice to listen to the Lord's voice is we got to know his word. So my kids know my voice better than other kids. Right? And it's because they hear it all the time. How can we expect to hear the Lord's voice if we don't listen to it daily? See, this journey of faith isn't something that we just go, huh, oh, whatever. But Hebrews say you work at it. The invitation is to work at listening to his voice. Now, that doesn't bring you salvation, but it definitely helps you walk with Jesus. It helps you to identify what's being said. So when my friend says, hey, remember to bring grace, I can go, oh, that's connected to scripture. I know it. I know the Lord is speaking through that friend right now. When I have a dream, I can connect it and go, "Wait a minute, God speak this way." And if He's telling me to love someone or love Him, it's probably Him. His voice is not contained in just the little box that we want to put it in. His voice is living and active and without bounds but if we don't practice the things that he's given us to listen to his voice, we will wander like this because we will not be able to hear it. We'll listen to friends who are not speaking on his behalf and think that is the gospel. We will listen to others, our family, who will not be speaking on his behalf. And we'll do what they're saying with disregard to what the Lord has said. Or we'll listen even worse to ourselves. And then justify ourselves out of his word. And if you don't practice looking and reading his word, then you can justify yourself out really quickly because you don't even know what it says. So we listen and we work at listening. Whether it's a word of gentle correction or great encouragement, we receive it. We let it settle. And if it brings a little bit of confusion, we go back to his word and we seek. And we pray to him asking for clarity. Because our God bends down to listen to us. We don't have to go to some special temple or shrine for him to hear us. We don't have to light a candle in the exact right place for him to hear us. We don't have to give $100 for him to hear us. He bends down because he's honored us as his children. And what father wouldn't bend down to listen to their children? And when we can't hear his voice, we repent. And we say, Lord, speak to me again. Because right now I hear silence. But speak to me. Let me hear your voice again. And perhaps we'd hear these words from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. As his family, we want to represent him well, and so we look for those ways that he is producing in us reflections of him. One of the reflections is to love one another. If you go through chapter 13, you're going to see some of these reflections in that chapter. He calls us out to love one another, that as we learn how much he loves us, he will produce in us love for each other. He'll produce in us a sense of hospitality that we'll look and say, we'll invite people over that we may not know for the chance that they would get to know him. We'll open our house to a stranger so that they can have shelter. We will maybe put our safety on the shelf if we hear the Lord's voice saying, let them in. That makes you uncomfortable, huh? But the Lord of the universe right next to you. Listen for his voice because when those times come, you will most likely tend to shut and lock the door. Even when he's saying, open it, open it, I've got you. You'll watch the news and you'll say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not opening that door. But a voice will say, open it. In the same respect, there will be times when he'll say, close the door. he'll be like, no, I can't close the door. I can't let that person go right now. No, because you won't be listening to his voice. So you'll love one another. You'll show hospitality. You'll give honor to marriage. As you listen to the voice of the Lord, he helps you see a reflection in your marriage that brings honor. He tells you the things that are not bringing honor to it, and he says, repent of those things. Start again. Start afresh. Your marriage represents how much Jesus loves His church. That's big weight, right? But for all of us who are married, people are supposed to see in our marriage how much Jesus loves the church. So the way we respond to one another can be, should be a reflection of how Jesus loves the church. To not love money. He'll produce this in you. In our culture, it's a hard thing. That you'd pray for your leaders. And in Hebrews 13, don't forget that you're supposed to listen to me. Yeah, you're laughing. It's a simple list. To love, give, honor, respect, and pray. Love, give, honor, respect, and pray. Because Jesus is greater. We're able to do those things not because we produce them from ourselves, but because Jesus is greater, and when he's in our life, He will produce these saints. That's what Hebrews says. He who is able to produce. So if your marriage is rocky right now, know that you will not be able to produce a great marriage. But he who is greater can produce it when you listen to him. For those of you who love money and it determines most of your decisions, He can change your process on how you decide how to go about life because he's greater. He's greater than as much money as you can make. Money is easy to get and it's easy to lose. We only think it's not easy to get when we don't have it. And when we have it, we forget that we ever had to work for it. Because we spend it on ridiculous stuff. So may the Lord speak to your hearts today. May our ears be open to his words. And as we look at this writer to the Hebrews, may we also let this come into our hearts, that he loves us so much that he would call us family, that he wants us to do this together That he wants us to talk to one another and encourage one another with his words and not ours. And that he wants us to grow in his reflection in our marriages, in our relationships, in our lives with him. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us this time to look at the wonderful book of Hebrews. As we close it out, Lord. May the words that you've given to those who lived over 2,000 years ago, through this writer who knew that those who had turned from the Jewish faith, who had stepped into something new that was following your son Jesus, who were being persecuted on a daily basis, who had lost their businesses or people wouldn't shop at their shops because they were now a Christian and no longer a Jew. Who are being persecuted because they no longer wanted to go to the temple to offer a sacrifice. Who are being persecuted because they saw that the law would not bring salvation. That only the sacrifice on the cross brought salvation. That this writer said they needed to be encouraged. And reminded that they're part of a greater family. And that the blood of Jesus has covered them and that as they listen to his word that word that is living and active will do something lord that's what we pray for today that we would receive everything you are giving to us that we would listen to the word that we either read or hear from someone that we would not refuse it but refu- but we would receive it we look for transformation lord In the areas where we're weak, may we see that you're very strong and that you're in it with us. In those areas where we're confused, Lord, may we be reminded that you are a God of clarity and that you can bring peace even to the biggest chaos in our life. And remind us, Lord, that we are people who are meant to forgive because of the great forgiveness you have given us and the grand invitation to be a part of your family. So may Oikos Church act as a family united with you. May we allow the bitterness that we may carry with us, may we lay that aside and replace it with your grace. And may we walk with each other, helping one another, to live in that grace, in that peace, to live with Jesus, amen.